Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton. Back in the old days, Kyle, you had to pay for this kind of thing. But this Kyle Orton, he starts for free. Uh, this week, we are we are done with the preseason. <laughs> I don't think I'm confused, you look. It was a blog spot blog. It was always free. I'm so confused. I, man, if someone had to pay oh, Kyle Orton back in the no, day, it was true. hundreds yes, of thousands of dollars. That's true. Yeah, no, Kyle Orton himself yeah, did not we're, come cheap. Uh, we are through the full preseason. We're through cuts. We are down to that awkward week where we have no NFL football, but I do get to watch Nebraska lose in hilarious that, fashion. They did eat shit. That was that was as they are wont to do. So yeah. So let's Couldn't, let's get some some Bears news out of the way as we uh, as we wait. What another nine yeah, so days? I guess. Yeah. So I guess where do you want to start here? I, I feel like it already feels like a million years ago. Do we do we comment on? There's really only. Uh, like about four things from that preseason game that I wanted to talk about. Should we just talk about the, the things that happened in that game and then yeah, get I mean, into roster very cuts? Game. Um, I mean, the biggest thing about it is probably the lack of stuff that really mattered that happened during that game, right? Really, right, yeah. preseason. A lot of, I mean, a lot of the guys that you know that we that first preseason game we were saying we really wanted to look at. A lot of those guys weren't even playing. That you know. I would have loved to have been able to monitor Darnell Wright's progress throughout this preseason, but we didn't get to see much of it. Um, fortunately, he it sounds like he's practicing now for the game that matters. But uh, the only thing that, I mean, the thing that matters for the Bears this year, the only thing that really kind of concerned me about that third preseason game, and there's been a lot of talk about this, J.T. O'Sullivan of the quarterback school, who has always usually been in Fields' corner, he watched that preseason game and he had some concerns about Justin yep. Fields' process um and i i i'm not throwing the panic button at all even kind of i want to stress yeah. that but it would be hard to listen to jt's analysis and find anything i disagreed with i thought justin looked uncomfortable in that game as the best way to put it something jt said something felt off all day and that is exactly what i thought like he just did not the ball was not coming out on time he turned down a throw to Mooney, I kind of wonder, like, the vibe I maybe got was they were like, this is a preseason game. We don't even have our healthy offensive line. You were on a 13-snap limit. Like, just don't fuck it up. Don't get hurt. Just don't. And so that's what I'm kind of hoping was going on. But I, I, was, I, I thought Fields looked a little weird. And a couple of those throws got away from him a little bit. And I didn't see anything. I will say this. I didn't see anything hugely concerning. I didn't see anything that made me think like, oh shit, he's taking a step back or anything like that. Just a couple things, you know, he, he flat a clean pocket, which we really don't want him to do anymore. Yeah. Um, and he turns Still, down a throw. He, yeah. And he, he, he fled that pocket in the exact way. We don't want to see him flee it. Right. We want to, we want him to go upfield. He ran straight around into a defensive right. end had, that yeah, was so blocked. Yeah, so it's very important to clarify two things he did do very well. Obviously, the DJ Moore completion was mostly DJ Moore, but that was a good throw, um, good read, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, there were also two drops. I, I'm glad Pro Football Focus bookmarked the Comet thing as a drop yeah. because that is a catch that an NFL tight end, one who just got paid, should make, in my opinion. It, yeah, did you, did you have to adjust? But it was a good adjustment. That was... It wasn't right on his hands, but it was right on his hands on purpose. Fields led him away from the hit from the defender and put that in a ball yep. where, to me, a good NFL tight end makes that adjustment and makes that catch. So I'm glad that that was termed a drop. So, I mean, if you throw in the drops, yeah, I mean, he was he, he was accurate on four of his six passes. And we're all talking about six passes, which is not a sample size that's really worth panicking at about either. Um, actually, the, the, the example I gave was that uh, – the Vikings game. Remember the, the game in Minnesota last year was arguably Fields' best pure passing performance of the season. He was 15 to 21 for 208 yards. For sure. Um, in that game, he started two of six, just like he was in that preseason game. And then he completed 13 of his next 15 passes. So it's important to realize if that entire game had gone on, if Fields had gotten comfortable. And he's a guy that I really do think likes to settle into a rhythm as the game goes along. Sure. Um, I think we would probably, you know, f five, ten more throws, maybe we would have forgotten all about the first two drives. Mm -hmm. um, 
but we were only going off what we've got. And there were just a couple things that, like I said, they were not, to me, they were not red flags. A red flag to me would be like, oh shit, he looks worse. But they were kind of yellow flags in that they were like, that is the kind of mistake he was making last year that you kind of want to see him put behind a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were two drops. Herbert dropped a ball to Matt. I, I, I considered it a drop. I was glad, like I said, to see Pro Football Focus considered it a drop because to me that was a ball that a good tight end should catch. But and and the throw to Mooney on the first drive was absolutely the right read. I mean, yeah. if you've got DJ Moore singled up with Christian Benford, you throw the ball there, but it was a bad throw. Like put that towards the sideline on his outside shoulder, let DJ come back for that. I think that that's a big play. We all be freaking out and so excited about the chemistry between those two. So that's the kind of thing. You do hope the chemistry keeps coming along there, and you hope next time Fields will give DJ a chance to make that play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the the big thing was he did have a scramble where he did exactly what you're talking about, the good kind of scramble. He had one where he went yeah. very quickly, one, two, three, nobody's open, and he stepped up and through the pocket, right. picked up 16 yards. That, if you're going to scramble, that's what we want to see. You could tell he very quickly was like, nope, 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 go. What we don't want to see is the one we saw on third and 11, where it's like, oh, I think I feel some pressure from the left, but the pressure wasn't really there. He left a clean pocket. He basically ran right into his right tackle. He gets two yards on third and 11. You don't want that. Yeah. I um, mean, Borum, Borum had set up a perfect pass block on it was, play, it was, and he just rolled right into the defensive yeah, end. There was, yeah, there, that was, it was a very, it's not what you want. Now, again, these to me, these yeah. are yellow flags. These are mistakes that we've seen Justin Fields make before. Um, and and we have, I think, with a better supporting – the thing about Justin Fields is, and I said this, I think he could be the same player he was last year and with better help around him still be a very effective quarterback because of what yeah. he can do on the ground and because he'll be throwing to DJ Moore and not Equinemius St. Brown most of the time, we hope. You want to see that coupled with him also taking a personal leap so that he can arguably be a top 10, top 5 quarterback. Because we know Justin Fields, if he realizes his full potential, is something we've never seen before, arguably. But I'm saying I'm not panicking even if he hasn't taken a huge individual leap because I think if you put the player that Justin Fields was in a better situation, you're still going to get a pretty effective offense because he made a lot of something out of nothing sometimes last year. And I think he can make even more something out of something this year, even if he hasn't taken that big leap as a passer that we want to see in terms of his process, in terms of his accuracy, et cetera. So to me, it's yellow flags because I'm not saying this team is doomed. If Justin Fields is just the same guy in a better situation, but it's not the early signs that you want to see of Justin Fields having taken that next step. Yeah. So, so the thing with me, um, and I agree, he didn't look great in that game. Um, but what we saw with how cuts happened, what we saw with how, what the Bears have said, what this coaching staff has said throughout the offseason, is nobody really cares about the preseason. None they of do these not, games seem to matter. And I think that they, trickles down. When you notice yeah. the coaching staff doesn't give a shit, why should Justin give a shit? And he so, looked like he didn't give a shit on that he, game. He, so... I, I almost, like you know, I mean, that leads into the second point I want to talk about. Because let's, let's do a check. We haven't really talked about him that much, honestly. In this entire mm-hmm. podcast, we haven't really talked about him that much. And I'm a little surprised we haven't. Um, maybe we should have talked about that when we did our breakdown of the offense. Maybe we should have gone into the coaching staff a little bit. How do we feel about Luke Getze? How, how, how do you feel about Luke Getze as Bears offensive coordinator right now? Where, where are you at? Uh, I feel like this is a, you're right. This is a topic we haven't covered. We talked about it so much last year. We kind of gave Luke a pass, right? Because we was working with, with just maybe the worst offense in the NFL. As far as talent goes, he had a quarterback. He had maybe a good slot receiver. He had a tight end who was competent and that might've been it. Um, you know, everything else was a disaster. However, um, and we haven't brought this up on the podcast yet, but we talk about it a lot last year. Luke's offense was very vanilla. It was very plain. It was not interesting. Um, and we would always say, well, what do we expect him to do? If he, every right. time he tries to do something interesting, Justin gets hit. Every time he tries to do something interesting, somebody drops a pass, right? So he goes back to that vanilla mentality. But 
We've seen the same thing throughout this preseason. And yeah, again, there's your excuse. You don't usually want to show your hand during the preseason, right? You want to keep your sexy stuff right. for an actual game, especially your first games against Green Bay. You don't want to throw away your plays in the preseason. Um, but if we go into that game and he is still running vanilla stuff, uh, it's going to seem like we're turning on him very fast. But it's not going to be fast. It's going to be, okay, if you're still doing this shit now, suddenly I have to take everything you did last year at face value. And I have to say, this is just who you are. I have basically, you know, scared Mark Trestman running our offense. And that that freaks me out. So I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in him, but I don't have a lot of conf- like non-confidence in him. It's just, he's got to show me what he's got now that he has the pieces. Yeah, I'm still... I'm still waiting for that brilliant Luke Betsy game plan that makes me say, like, oh, man, mm-hmm. this guy is this special dude that they all keep talking about. Um, and I haven't seen it yet. And and like you said, we made the excuses for him. And then we don't even have to be excuses. They were – we talked about this when we did the Justin Fields episode. They sound like excuses, but excuses, but they are literally explanations. It's not, we are not excuse. these are not excuses, they are facts. They didn't have good wide receivers last year. They didn't have an even remotely competent pass-blocking offensive line. He could not run the shit that Andy Reid runs, even if he wanted to. Even if you had Andy Reid's brilliant mind, you'd have had a hell of a time doing a standard drop-back pass game with those components. Mm-hmm. But now it is time to move beyond that. Now it is time to start showing what you do have. Um, and through the preseason, obviously, you're not super impressed, but that's okay. It is the preseason. But I think we'll have an answer fairly early on. That game plan week one, it's going to be real important. They're, yes. And, and that is a defense that he knows. That is a staff that he knows. It, it And to be fair, the last time they placed the Packers, they had a good game plan to start. I mean, Justin Fields was damn near through for 300 yards until the second half. When yeah. the coaching staff very clearly to me seemed like, oh, we are uh, trying to get the first overall pick here. Um, so let's dial back the throws a little bit. Because the, yep. there was a goal line sequence, a red zone sequence where Fields threw, them, threw a bomb, got them into the red zone. And they immediately went, run, run, holding call, and on second and 20, and then third and 20 both times. They went run, run again. Like they could not have been more obviously trying to say, like, oh, I'm not trying to score points here. That's counterproductive yeah. to our purpose as an organization. So, but then again, holy shit, if that actually is what this guy's going to do on second and third downs that matter in games where you're trying to score, in games where you have DJ Moore and Chase Claypool and Donnell Mooney out there as your wide receiver court, that's not what you want. So, yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I have to say, I am, I am a little nervous about it still. I am. You know, you want to see... Oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, yeah, the uh, the grade is just incomplete, right? Like, there's... Uh, I can't really tell you anything about Luke Getzey at this yeah. point because of the adverse circumstances that he had yeah, last year. Will... For that matter, for that matter, how many times have we brought up uh, Eberflus's name on this podcast, you know? Like, again, it's just hard to... It's hard to evaluate a guy who had such a situation last year. You can't really say that he was great. You can't say he was bad. I mean, I think we saw some information that suggested that moment to moment, like play calling, timeouts, um, clock management. He was actually a big plus for the Bears last year, but it's just hard to tell that, you know, like when you go three and 14, you get the first overall pick. Yeah, it's just uh, the the reason we're bringing this up is because, I mean, that, that was the other thing. JT O'Sullivan did point out when he was watching the game is his criticism in that video was about 40% fields, about 10% Cole Komet, who's one of his favorite punching bags, uh, and about 50% Luke Fitzy, because he was saying, I, there's, I don't get the purpose of some of these play calls. I don't understand who is supposed to get open on this pass play. I don't know why you'd call this against this coverage. And, um, and there's been a lot of that. And so again, it's just preseason. You'd hope. Um, and it's preseason, so maybe very much it was a case of like, yeah, these are the plays. We're going to run these 10 plays, and we're going to run these 10 plays only, and it doesn't really matter what it is. Oh, you hope to see a more specific, tailored game plan, and you would hope that in that case, Justin Fields feels more comfortable with what they're running in week one. But if there aren't, I think Luke Getzey, the Luke Getzey terror alert will be one of the first things we have going this regular season if he doesn't 
Yes. So the faith we've put in there, or at least not even the faith, the benefit of the doubt we get that he deserves the benefit of the doubt we give it we have given him. That would be one of the first things I'm concerned about for sure. Yep. Yeah. Do we uh, do we want to talk about the defensive side of the ball a little bit? I think there's one more thing I'm talking about on the uh, offensive side of the ball. Which, Which is that as of right now, it seems like our best club quarterback is Tyson Benjamin. Um, yeah, it seems like they're going to stick with him. Do you remember when we talked about Tyson Benjamin for the first time? And you were like, I don't need to talk about Tyson Benjamin. This is stupid. I'm not doing this. Yeah. And I jokingly shared his statistics. Well, Tyson Benjamin might have to win a goddamn football game for the Chicago Bears this year. Uh, yeah. I got to tell you, I know everyone loves a preseason quarterback hero in this town. I think this is a fucking idea. And like I said last week, this is not me. I've been saying PJ Walker. It's not. It just means that I think mistakes were made here. We are or, or, or to quote the eternal Tom Moore when it came to Peyton Manning, the Bears organization clearly does not believe in practicing being fucked. So... They are yes. just openly declaring, like, our plan is to win game with Justin Fields, or those two first-round picks are going to kick ass, baby. Yeah, I think this is right, exactly. I think this is pretty much just them saying, actually, if Justin goes down for a long period of time, we want to lose. And, and that's it. They're just like, fuck it, we're going to put this kid in, and he's going to blow, and we are going to lose games, and our pick is going to get super high. And guess what? We're going to draft Caleb Williams, probably, uh, or Drake May. Like, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, so, yeah, even more sink or swim for Justin. Uh, but but this goes back to um, what we were saying about them clearly not caring about the preseason, clearly not uh, caring through their cuts. I, they just, P.J. Walker, it was said, looked really bad in camp, looked really bad in practice. Every day you would hear that he was throwing picks, that he looked a mess, that he was overthrowing guys. And this organization clearly values um, joint practices first. They value camp second. They value practice third. And preseason might not even be on the map. It doesn't, yeah, um, we'll talk to that about that here in a second. We get to some guys who just got cut. But yeah, it, preseason is obviously not he, what they really value. But... I mean, I think with PJ, that's it's not terribly surprising. I am not surprised, having watched a lot of PJ Walker, that PJ Walker is not a great practice player. If you watch the guy play in the regular season last year with the Panthers, he's this is not a man with a plan out there. He oh, is for sure. He is winging it, and sometimes it goes really well, and a lot of times it goes horribly wrong. Um. I still think that averages out to about your usual backup quarterback performance, but you know, sometimes a lot of people, the, the ideal backup quarterback is Gardner Minshew, you know, like you just know every week you're going to get a guy who's going to complete 65% of his passes um, and pass for 210 yards and try to win 17 to 10 and never throw a ball into coverage and never make a huge play or anything like that. Um, And obviously I think, they think Tyson Badgett, or they're, at least they're hoping Tyson Badgett can be more of that kind of backup maybe down the road where it's like a guy that comes in and does his best Chase Daniel impersonation and doesn't turn the football over. I don't know. But um, I guess I'm a little, I'm like, I don't know why you would have signed PJ Walker and then acted surprised that you got that guy in camp because that's about when I would expect from a PJ Walker. Um, yeah, I mean. <sighs> Yeah, I, I mean, we keep kind of talking about the cuts, but some of the guys the Bears cut, and then they went out and grabbed some guys who other teams cut, and I think it was just a case of maybe the grass is greener on the other side. Didn't really make a whole ton of sense to me. And, uh, I mean, look, we've always said that preseason just doesn't matter who gives a shit about any of this, but it really seems with this organization that it matters so much less than I expected. It it feels like maybe the preseason just shouldn't even be played, like for the Bears specifically. I, I wonder if at some point in the near future we will see the NFL. I know they wouldn't want one. We will see the NFL go full CFL. There will be an 18th game. There might be a single preseason game, and more yeah. teams will just do those 
those team versus team scrimmages that the Bears and Colts had and that we've been seeing more and more in recent yeah. summers. Because obviously that they put a ton into that. And then they shut down basically every almost every starter on the team that had anything yep. the minute those practices with the Colts were wrapped up. They they just they were clearly that was the point where the Bears were like that is the end of our training camp. That right there. That was it. So yeah, so speaking of preseason not mattering. So when we first looked at the Bears' first depth chart of training camp, we said that there were four guys or five guys that we thought could potentially be fucked. Those five guys were Travis Gibson, Sindel Vildor, uh, Valus Jones, uh, Tristan Ebner. Okay, so four guys. Tristan Ebner, I can't count. Math is hard. So we said, yeah, we said, we said, Kendall Vildor, Travis Gibson, Tristan Abner, and Valus Jones. Three of the four guys that we said were fucked are, are fucked. They got Gibson's gone, Vildor's gone. They're both Titans now. They gave us Nate Davis. We gave them Travis Gibson. Um, everybody's happy. Uh, nobody's happy. Um, so yeah, those guys, and, and, Vildor, I mean, he didn't really even show out in the preseason because that guy was entering in, like, the fourth quarter. No one has ever been more, obviously, a future cut guy than, like, that. I I said bad for that guy that they didn't even release him before camp because, like, it's clear that they just, they he was never in their plans. They were done with him, kind of yeah, early. way before preseason. But Travis Gibson, I mean, he showed out. He destroyed backup offensive linemen, and mm-hmm. they didn't care. They did not care. And Poles very specifically said his success came in another scheme. Obviously, Travis, I think, wanted to go somewhere and be a stand-up rusher in a 3-4 where he's had success in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, goes to show for if if Travis Gibson's preseason didn't move the needle with this coaching staff, no one's preseason is ever going to. Because like that yeah. was um but it's also a question of, I guess it, of what roster spot a guy's going for. Like it's very clear that their top the top three defensive ends are set. They Yannick and Dakre, Demarcus Walker, and Rasheem Green are obviously their three their top three defensive ends. Um I know Bears fans don't like that because Green didn't do anything in the preseason, but again preseason. Um but and then that first D spot came down to Gibson versus Lewis versus Dominic Robinson. Um, and what I say to you is that the fourth D doesn't really matter. Like that guy's going to get a couple snaps a game at most. He's probably active. A lot yeah, of I don't days. even think, I don't even think there was a question there. It seems like Dominique Robinson was handed the job way before the first preseason game. Um, and he looked good in preseason as well. Not that it matters to this coaching staff, but yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was Gibson versus Lewis, right? For that last spot. And yeah. then they just said, actually, uh, fuck you both. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if neither of those guys earned a spot, the Bears are clearly saying you can't. You can't earn a spot yeah. on this team during the preseason. Yeah, no, so it's it's all about it's it almost why bother. It's all about camp. It's all about practices with this organization. Clearly, they value what they are seeing in house over everything else. Um, another guy who is currently, as of right now, was on that list but does not yet appear to be fucked is Vilas Jones. Should we should we talk about the current setup of this roster at the wide receiver position because it feels somewhat unsustainable right now? The Bears are carrying seven wide receivers right now, and the logic, but which six was a lot for the Bears to carry last year, at least historically compared to other Bears teams. There have been years where they've only carried five in my memory, but six was a lot, and now they have seven. And the, the right now, the current logic behind seven is that Vegas Jones is the dedicated kick returner. And Trent Taylor, I guess we should talk about Trent Taylor, uh, the Bengals' surprise cut, a very effective punt returner. The Bears used their waiver claim to immediately go after him, uh, which was good to see. It, it will be nice to have a returner where we're not holding our breath every time the ball is in the air week one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have a dedicated kick returner and a dedicated punt returner, a roster spot for each. That sort of feels like a luxury um, given this roster. But how, how do you feel about the seven? And of course, then you all have uh, Equinemius St. Brown, who is still hanging around because of his 
beloved Ron Blanking and his knowledge of the scheme. Can't ever question the scheme knowledge. Yeah, if anything, the, the Equinemius St. Brown one, the dedicated run blocker uh, in four wide or five wide sets uh, is equally weird a keep as it is to just a guy who There's... only returns kicks and a guy who only returns punts. The only thing I can think is what they're saying is if we kept one of these other defensive ends, we might not even play him. You know, we, we have four defensive ends. We're going to move them in and out. Mm-hmm. It seemed like you know, that was one of the things we saw on defense. They're clearly going to shuffle the deck on the defensive line a lot this year. Um, and maybe they're saying, yeah, I mean, we could keep a guy who is here maybe in case of injury, um, but we have a practice squad for that. And if we keep these three wide receivers, so one extra wide receiver, basically, they each have a dedicated role. Um, they're each going to play every Sunday. We're actually going to use them. So maybe that's the idea behind it. Um, I definitely thought when they picked up Taylor off waivers that that was it for Valus Jones, but apparently they're fine with him being a kick returner. I have to say, um, you know, usually we give the coaching staff, the GM a little bit before we start like really going in on them uh, about their traits and about things they tend to do. Boy, Poles likes his boys, doesn't he? he? He does not think that he is wrong after he has signed somebody so, or drafted them. Yeah, I mean, it's... Well, I mean, it's weird. He has shown a weird willingness to move on. And yet, because, I mean, like, he absolutely had no problem. I mean, he gave P.J. Walker $2 million and then he cut him immediately. Didn't... That yeah. was fine. Um, oh. oh. Someone's at the door. Hold uh, up. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna mute myself. Oh wow. We I I'm gonna go full Baja men here and ask who has let the dogs out. Um but yeah, no, I mean he he has shown a weird reluctance with specifically. It's Vale Jones is, is his guy and they 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 just they don't want to give up. They clearly don't want to give up on that speed unless they absolutely have to. And I I'm just I'm wondering. I, I want to dispute that. I'm I'm going to dispute that it's one guy because in my eyes, Dom Robinson got a free roster spot without having to work for it. Travis Gibson was you know a cast off immediately. Um, I I mean, obviously Tyler Scott just got drafted this year. He's going to keep him on the team. Um. But yeah, shoot, Valus Jones. Like, it feels like Jatiri Carter. He's still on this team, and yet for some reason the Bears were like, when our center got hurt, we're not comfortable playing him at left guard. Uh, but boy, he sure needs to be on this team. But who got cut? Alex Leatherwood, who had a pretty good preseason, but that didn't seem to matter because apparently his practice wasn't great and uh, his camp wasn't great. So it seems, I'm not going to say it for sure. At this point, and I'm sure it's a trait that a lot of GMs do have, um, but it sure seems like he thinks the guys that he's taken are better than the guys that he didn't take in the draft or the guys that he didn't put a lot of capital behind signing in the offseason. You know, um, I hope that's not the case going forward. I hope Velas doesn't just have a spot because he doesn't want to look like an idiot. Um, but man, it that, seems that way. I don't think it's because he doesn't want to look like an idiot. I don't think he does care about. It. He's done made a lot of moves that show me he doesn't give one shit about public opinion. I we do know he is enamored of traits and yes. athleticism, and yeah. what defines Vitaly Kovalev, Zayla Jones, and Dominic Robinson? All three of them, they are huge swings on athleticism and traits. And yeah. clearly he is saying that this is not a Super Bowl contending roster yet anyways. Not every single roster spot that we have is precious. I am willing to go a little bit longer, bet a little bit harder, that at some point the light will come on in, in its way for, for each of these guys. And to be honest, it looks like a guy that the lights maybe come on for. But for some reason, when yeah. when when given the opportunity to put him in there, they, they, they aren't. Pulling it but at the same time, we don't, we don't really know who's going to be there at left guard week one. I mean, I guess it's still possible. It could, we just know that when it happens, the first guy up was Lucas Patrick, but then they also traded for Daniel Feeney. So I don't know that they're ready to Lucas Patrick either. We'll have to see how that offensive line. I, I feel confident at some point 
throughout this season, we will see Jatari Carter in real games and that, that he might do a pretty good job if we do. Willing to be patient there on Jatari Carter. Not questioning why he has a roster spot. Dominique Robinson is very much like, a, okay, I get it, but you got to start showing something. Yeah. Anything at all. Like, it, it, and not just like, you have to be great. You have to start being elite. But like, I don't... Can you remember anything he did after week one last year? Anything besides get his shit pushed in? No, like, still, you have to. I mean, he was but, one of the worst defensive ends in the league. We, yeah, we, I, we've talked about this months ago, but but him and Travis were well, like a legendarily bad defensive I mean, end group. I'm fine with being patient with a guy's development, mm-hmm. um, but you you have to be developing. Yeah. So right. you right. you gotta show me something, anything, something, and he show me nothing. I, I don't see it. There's no reason for me to look at Dominic Robinson. He definitely does this better than he did last year. I don't see it. So figure that part out. And I, and I would I would hate to see them waste a roster spot on that guy all season long without him flashing something. Yeah. So, um, hey, speaking of guys that are gonna, uh, that flashed, we did have one dude who I thought looked great, uh, during that preseason game. Can you, can you guess who I, I think did very well during that preseason game? What was it? Was it Jervin Dexter? Was it, was was it Jervin Dexter? (laughs) Nah, get it, get it out, get it out. All right, all right. Uh, uh, so yeah, basically, uh, Jervin had a fantastic game. Uh, the dude came in; uh, he absolutely dominated um, the center and guard. I think Billings had a great play where he almost threw uh, the left guard for the Bills on his butt, their first team guard, uh, while Josh was still in the game. Um, it didn't end up mattering uh, in the end because Josh Allen is Josh Allen. Um, Jervon came into the game. He absolutely wrecked their center. Um, he absolutely, he ran Josh off on that play where he had to run around in a freaking circle and throw across his body and get a goddamn completion. Any other quarterback, except for maybe Pat Mahomes and Jervon either has a sack or at the very least, that's an interception later in the play because it's Josh Allen. The bills got a first down, but he, he destroyed that. And then later, um, the second Josh came off the field and Kyle Allen came in, very confusing, by the way, Bills. Um, that pick that Tyreek Stevenson got was completely caused by Jervon beating a double team and then throwing the right guard back into Kyle Allen. Um, so just, point, just a fantastic play. I believe at one point Kyle Allen and Brandon Allen were both on the same team, and that was a very confusing time. Um, I can't have that. But they were not backing up Josh Allen, but if they'd done that, it really would have been something. Um, I I give I give Dexter I give him about I will give him like a like a like an A minus for pass rush in that game. Yeah, um, yeah. I still thought that the run defense was like a D, so I don't know how you average those two things. I did agree. It was his best of the three preseason games. That was his best effort as a pass rusher for sure. He he had a couple snaps there where he really looked like something. Um, the uh, the Bills run scheme, and I, I wanted to bring this up to you because you're you're the guy who knows schemes. You know schemes better than I do. The Bills run scheme, especially compared to the vanilla shit we were running, which was basically like, "Hey Khalil, would you like to do a literal uh, RB dive?" Like just whatever runs straight ahead and die. The Bills had a wild uh, blocking scheme, and it was it seemed to be based on pushing a player where they thought they would want to go on a pass rush, and then just letting him go that way, and then holes opened up, and we really got eaten up on defense on the ground, which the Bills have not traditionally been good at. Um, not with their running backs, with Josh sure when he escapes the pocket and runs, but. I was impressed by that, but yeah, I mean, Jervon looked bad, but the whole Bears front line looked bad against they, that run defense, uh, run offense. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, I, 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 I'm not. Ex- I'm trying to keep expectations low for Jervon and Pickens both, so I'm not. I'm not getting too worried about that. If I had to say, I, I 
player I want. And I'm kind of concerned of in terms of the preseason not matching what people were saying out of camp. And we know what the Bears coaching staff puts more emphasis on, and we sure hope they're right. Um, Andrew Billings has not looked particularly great. He he didn't impress me. The, the very long drive by the Titans, that first preseason game, the very long drive by the Bills, um, he was out there for both of them. He got pushed pretty badly for both of them. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little worried about just the interior of that entire defensive line against the run right now. The Packers have a good offensive line and a good run game, so that could be a real problem uh, week one. But, yes, I thought as a pass yeah. rusher, pretty good going for Jervin. I thought that Zach Pickens actually looked he played one of his games against the run that we've seen of the three. I mean, one of his better games. We're not looking at a huge sample size here. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's just going to be a work in progress from those two. Um, no doubt. I'm like I said, I'm a little more concerned in the, in the short term. I mean, Andrew Billings did not super impress me, um, but we'll, we'll see when the, when the games actually matter, if that makes a difference. Yeah. Whatever that run scheme is, uh, if somebody wants to, like throw it out if it has a name. I'm not sure what they were doing, but it completely befuddled the entire Bears defensive line. Um, and they just, they didn't even really get pushed. They just went to the place that the Bills wanted them to go. And then they kept getting seven, 10, 12 yard runs off. So definitely a concern. But again, it's preseason and it seems like this coaching staff didn't want to show anything and didn't give a shit about anything in this preseason. So yeah, maybe it doesn't matter at all. That is true. I mean, and I think that was a thing last year too in preseason, especially in terms of like the run game. I didn't see them run particularly well in the preseason. And then last year they came out of the gate, even when Fields wasn't throwing the ball very well. I mean, they rushed for like 300 yards a game those first three or four weeks. So um, I'm expecting them to still do some really cool stuff in the run game, obviously, when the games matter. But yeah, the the scheme is very, very. Uh, um, all right, so we we are so last week there was some audio quality, so a lot of people didn't hear my epic rant about their monster construction of this offensive line. The good news is, is it does sound like as of right now, they're expecting to have all of the offensive linemen that they were well expecting to have this year, with the exception, of course, of Tevin Jenkins for a week. So this offensive line is rounding into form a little bit, and and it sounds like the starting center week one might actually be the newly acquired. <laughs> I had wow. to do it. I had to do it. Wow. It's, I am thirty four years old. I am of the right demographic. <laughs> I watched ABC Family after school, so. It, it is interesting that the Bears may have found a center here. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, who? I mean, this isn't a guy whose numbers you look at. You're like the PFF numbers are not. At, you're like they're not great. fantastic. Um, you know, but he's still a hell of a lot better than Mustfer. Who, by the way, if do we want to talk about how Sam Mustfer fucked us over again? I don't uh, really care that much, but I'm going to let you do it because I know this is important to you. So by, okay. by all means, let it go. Like, tell so, the people. So it seemed like a perfectly cromulent uh, left guard Ben Cleveland of the Baltimore Ravens was uh, on the cut line. Um, basically, the Ravens just have good guards, um, and they were they were going to let him go. They It just seemed like it was in the cards. His PFF rating has been pretty good, like high 60s, low 70s totally fine for a swing guard. Um, so I was really eyeballing that guy. Like, God, if they cut him, we need to grab him. Just put him in at left guard. Don't have to think about it going forward. Um, and of course, instead of that, who did the Ravens cut? Because the Ravens have more goddamn sense than our organization. They cut Sam Mustafer, who they'd picked up this off season. Um, they, they, I don't know why the bears couldn't see this for the last two years, but they were like, actually that guy, can't play fucking football. So we're going to cut him. We'll keep them Cleveland. Uh, and so the bears didn't end up with him, but we, we did get Feeney. Not going to lie with Cody Whitehair. Whenever he was battling, apparently maybe not being able to snap, but he might play left guard. And with 
Lucas Patrick being unhealthy as he's been all season. And with roster cuts approaching and Sam Mustafer quite potentially very likely to get cut, I was nervously saying, like, oh, God, is this how he finds his way back to somehow being <laughs> the week one shouting center for the Bears again? Is this going to happen again? But no, they decided they'd rather trade a sixth for Dan Feeney. So I, here's what I want to ask, Travis, because this is what I think. I think, I think the week one offensive line looks like this. It's going to be Braxton Jones, mm-hmm. Cody Whitehair. Don't like that. Cena. Yeah. Nate Davis, Darnell Wright. Yeah. What is your confidence level in that offensive line versus last year's offensive line? Definitely. Definitely better than last year's, right? Um, Braxton Jones, I think, is going to get better. Um, Darnell Wright is a, a big, big fucking improvement over what Boren was doing last year. You um, think so? Think, you think so? Week one, you think he will be? Yep, I do. Yeah, I have a lot okay. of faith in Darnell. Uh, as we well, talked I do about, know that. I don't, do need, to, we, I don't need to do talk about him. that anymore. Uh, we do let that boy. We, we do. Yep. Um, Nate Davis, obviously a big upgrade at right guard. I don't think anybody's questioning that as long as he's healthy. Um, and anything, literally anything, is an upgrade over Sam Mustafer. So it's going to be better. Um, the question is how much better, right? The The thing is, the backup offensive line um, that we had running out there against the Bills actually held up really well. Justin made it look like it didn't. But they were pass blocking very well uh, while they were out there. Um, say this about Justin, though. Even though he did run himself into some pressure there. Uh, he sure did. Justin had, let's see here, what was it? Uh, Justin had 11 dropbacks this preseason, and he did not get sacked on any of them. Now, you might say, you might say, hey, that's that's not really that many dropbacks to be crowding. But you know what, folks? When you are talking about a gentleman who got sacked... On what was the exact number last year? When you were talking about a gentleman who got sacked on fourteen point seven percent of his dropbacks last year, zero for eleven, pretty good. Not bad. pretty good. We something to be excited about. Now we're like four of those eleven screens, but that might happen in the regular season too. So, um, you know, small yeah. victories. Uh, I mean. I think we're at, um, I think our baseline right now is just a normal bad offensive line and not the catastrophe we had last year. Um, it depends a lot on what our young guys on the outside end up doing this year. Braxton and Darnell, like, are, how do they improve? How do they get better throughout the season? Um, and, I mean, it depends on if Tevin can get healthy. Um, if Tev gets healthy, this is a very good, this could be a very good offensive line. If but Tim I don't think it's healthy. I don't think he's got just you people wait if Tim gets healthy. Just wait gets... till Tevin Jenkins gets back. He yeah. uh there was an article I saw like three days ago that was like I Tevin Jenkins <laughs> should never be the starting guard in Chicago again at this point. And I was like, I don't even I don't even disagree with that. We shouldn't think yeah. that he's going to play. Back before Tevin Jenkins is going to be the new back before Derek Rose. It's going to be the, the new meme. Yeah. It, yep. Yeah. If Tevin Jenkins can just stay healthy, he's going to go right up there in the Bears lexicon. If Jay can just put it together, yeah. if Jay can, if, if Devin Hester can just master the art of route running, if, you know. Right. It, it, yeah, it is I, what it I don't is. think we can expect that, but I, I mean, would I'm, say yeah. I think I think that's like the the offensive line I just listed off here. I think is like the twenty sixth worst offensive line in the NFL. Maybe twenty fifth. Yeah. Well, other than twenty fifth, maybe even twenty fourth. Maybe. Well, and we've seen and last year I would have ranked them about forty fifth, including like the top <laughs> thirteen college programs <laughs> in the country. Yeah. So. That's that's probably fair. Um, and the thing is, since I put Justin Fields behind Alabama's offensive line over the Bears last year, quite possibly. Yes. That wasn't even a good Alabama offensive line, really. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
but yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. We've seen with the Texans that you can have two good tackles, right? You can have strong outside protection. And if your middle collapses, uh, your offensive line will still look like shit. Um, so even if Braxton looks good, even if Darnell looks as good as we thought, if the middle of the line crumbles, it's not going to end up mattering. So it'll still be a bad offensive line. Um I, so I think 26th is probably the right number at this point. Here's a question for you, my friend. Uh, over, under, on the number of snaps by Mercedes Lewis week one. We'll say 15. Oh, under on 15. Not week one. No way. No, I mean, I think, no. You think so? You think it'll be oh, higher than 15? I think, I think Mercedes Lewis is going to be Darnell Wright's caddy until Luke Getze feels confident he doesn't need one. I think we're going to see a lot of 12 and even 13 personnel. There will be a lot of play-action bootlegs where the guys in the pattern are Robert Tanya and Cole Komet with Mercedes Lewis blocking his ass off. I, I think that's going to happen. I think that's Cole's role is uh, more my thought. I think Cole's going to be out there a lot. I think Tanyan's going to be, re- I think we saw last year. Yeah, the Bears will gladly rely they... on Cole's blocking. They will gladly. Are they still planning on doing that? I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't love featuring him as a receiver either. I'm just so glad we gave that man money. Um, Your hatred of Cole Komet is so, so misplaced and so strong. Is it? Like, is it? Yeah. He's totally He's... good. He's you know, tough. he's totally, he's totally average. Good is pushing it. He's, he's is, making like the 12th most money for a tight end in the NFL. You look well, at the other tight ends around him, it's fine. He, he should have caught that fucking ball if he wanted me to not be mean to him is what he should have done. That was, he should have been adjustment. Justin led you away from the hit. If only, the he, if only that guy would have got that four-yard pass. <laughs> it would have been perfect. Literally the next play, Justin whips it high and outside to Khalil Herbert and gets him murdered. And you're like, like, he did it. He did it. Justin definitely led him into a safe place, but he wants Khalil Herbert to die. It's not the the yardage of the throw that matters. It is is Cole Komet still failing to make basic adjustments to a ball in flight. It 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 vexes me. I'm dust. Does it? He did fine last year. He was like Diddy, the only bright Diddy. spot catching touchdowns and shit. Like Diddy. Diddy. I, I don't want to be the guy who's supportive of a Notre Dame tight end, no, but I'm, I'm putting you in that spot. I'm gonna make and I'm you be doing it. All right. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna I'm gonna I am Don't let me down, Cole. This guy's gonna uh, fucking be at my throat about this right. for the entire season for some reason. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you want do you want to talk about some rookie QBs? What we what little we saw? Uh, you know, I don't really have anything more to say about it than I had to say last week. CJ Stroud, very good when he has blocking. Bryce mm-hmm. Young still does not have blocking. <laughs> it's really that Anthony I, Richardson. So I think Bryce looked football. worse. Uh, Anthony. Anthony is going to be a real fun watch all season, he is, man. He is. He is. He is. Sometimes you're like, what a fucking guy. And then the next play, you're like, is this man insane? Well, it's uh, it's, it's like I said, I, 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 I mean, people can go back and listen to our pre-draft thing. I think I can say this with ample evidence behind me as an overall supporter of the Anthony Richardson project. Mm-hmm. I think people are severely underrating how rough it's going to be sometimes with that accuracy. I think the general tone people have is, I'm not that worried about the accuracy. I think it's fixable. And and maybe it is. I It, I, it could be fixable. I, I, I would have drafted him because I also believe it, it, it could be fixable. But the thing about it is fixable, there is a time that, that there is a time period in which it is not yet going to be fixed. And I think a lot of people yep. are going to be surprised maybe how long that period is because it's not fixed yet. <laughs> he... He was. I it took, it took of, Josh Allen two full seasons. Yeah, you know, in terms of in terms of adjusted completion percentage among quarterbacks who had at least ten dropbacks this preseason, I want to say he was. What was the number I said to you? It was like sixty six out of sixty eight, right? In terms of accuracy, yeah. if you went yeah. the last three preseasons, which I did, and and all the quarterbacks that made them, he was at two fifty four out of two hundred and fifty six passers or whatever. It's 
you can make as many excuses as you want, but the reason I keep pulling these large-ass sample sizes, the reason I pulled the large-ass sample size in terms of college quarterbacks entering the draft is there have been, if you want to just make the excuse that his accuracy is because of his poor supporting cast or what's it about or the scheme, there have been other quarterbacks with bad supporting casts and other schemes. It's still very rare for someone to spray the ball that much. He is spraying the ball, the bad throws. You can say whatever you want. It doesn't matter if he was throwing to Jerry fucking Rice. Some of them are bad throws. Now, that doesn't mean I'm giving up on the guy or anything like that. I am not. I think the main thing I want to do is preach patience with all of these guys. With all of them. People have gotten... I do think there was like a brief period in time where we had just a handful of guys. We had some Russell Wilsons. We had some RG3s. We all the way up to like Jared Goff, that wasn't his rookie year, it was year two, and Carson Wentz, where I think some coaches and the and the NFL was skewing more offensive. There was a way to kind of scheme early success for some of these quarterbacks and really simplify things for them and make them look further along in their development than they were. Um, and it's raised the bar of how quickly people expect these quarterbacks to show out in their careers. But that was the, that couple that four or five year window was it was a historical aberration in the NFL. It it really was. For the vast majority of the history of the league, rookie quarterbacks have struggled, and in the couple of years since, for the majority of the time, rookie quarterbacks have struggled. Well, Trevor Lawrence was what in probably almost halfway through last year, his second year before the light really started to come on for yeah. him. I, people need to be more patient with these guys. And that's why I'm worried because the, the problem with Anthony Richardson is all of these excuses people made for him in the draft process will be used against him when he struggles. They will be used against him. Because if everyone says, oh, the accuracy wasn't really that bad, and then he goes out there and he has a 45% completion percentage a couple for a couple weeks, people say, well, oh, his accuracy wasn't bad. So that's the excuse. He's, is he just hurt? Like... Why, why is it he, he should be doing better than this? And the answer is that they know he shouldn't be doing better than this. That is a reasonable start for what that guy is as a prospect right now. And it doesn't mean he can't get better. It doesn't mean he's not going to get better. I fully expect him to get better, but you are going to have to show patience with these guys. And that was something I kept yelling at Bears fans last summer because there were a lot of people who didn't want to believe the Bears were going to be as bad as they very obviously were going to be. And they would say things like, you know what? Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown, that's a better wide receiver core than you think. And I was like, it's really not. And I wish you'd stop saying that because what's going to happen is the preseason is going to end when everything's fake. And Justin Fields is going to go out there in the regular season and he's going to struggle behind a bad offensive line with bad wide receivers. And the own words are going to be used against him. People are going to say, well, you yourself said Equinemius St. Brown's not that bad, so it must be Justin Fields' fault that he can't get him the football. Like, when you make these excuses, you, you set these guys up for more criticism than they deserve. So you got to be careful and realistic and assess these guys. Anthony Richardson's going to be a work in progress. It's going to be very exciting. There are going to be games where he puts up ludicrous numbers. There's also going to be, like, at least a week or two where he goes, like, 13 for 30. It's going to happen. Accept it now. Embrace it now. And it doesn't mean anything in the long run, or it shouldn't mean anything in the long run. We won't have an answer on this kid until the end of next year at the earliest. So yeah, well, luckily, luckily what you're talking about is, you know, blowback from the media. It's going to be blowback from fans. It's going to be blowback from people who, who watch that. It's not going to be blowback from Shane Steichen. Um, because in my opinion, the way he's been handling Richardson has been far superior than either the Texans or Panthers approach to their rookie quarterbacks, because it's very clear to me um, given the preseason, given the tone that the coaching staff has taken is that they are going to give Anthony Richardson everything. And they're going to say, go out there and just try it over and over and over again. And guess what, kid? If you suck, it's fine. You've got at least two full years, maybe three full years to get this thing right. That's why we drafted you. And the only way to improve is going to be to play, play actual NFL games, and try to go out there and win. They've well, clearly given him an insane amount of confidence. He has such swagger, even in the preseason. And to yeah. me, that's what you need to do. What we have going on in Carolina, I mean, I like Frank Reich as a coach. I I am worried for Bryce Young, the way they are running these plays, um, the way he's taking hits. 
the the way that I guess they're encouraging him to throw on the run when he's clearly very bad at it. Um, that concerns me because I feel like there are going to be some games for Bryce Young where he's going to be like 10 of 17, right? He's only going to throw the ball like 15 to 20 times. And I feel like that might happen um, more often this season than you'd expect in a Frank Reich offense. And it's pretty clear with the Colts that Richardson's just going to be throwing the damn ball. Um, like, you know, they aren't going to hand the ball off. They're going to yeah. be throwing it all year just to see what he can do. I still think the the idea, well, this, I mean, I said this about Trey Lance. When people, when Trey Lance was drafted, I was like, what a great situation for him. And I said, I said this is a terrible situation for him. It's a terrible situation. I know it looks good on paper, but he is forever going to have to compete with the fact that Kyle Shanahan knows he can put Jimmy Garoppolo or a Jimmy Garoppolo-esque guy in there and get five minutes away from winning a Super Bowl. He wins. The floor that Trey Lance has to surpass is so, and yes, his ceiling is higher, but you it, it, it takes patience to reach that ceiling, and he, he's in an organization that has no reason to give him that patience. Anthony Richardson is in an organization where everyone in that room's job depends on Anthony Richardson being successful. They're all fucked if he doesn't. So he's going to get every opportunity. He's going to go up there like Peyton Manning did for the Colts. 25 years ago, and they're going to say, well, we might have you throw the ball 600 times. And you know what? You're going to fuck up a lot. You might throw 70 interceptions. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. We'll just keep throwing you out there. You'll figure it out. And that's, yep. that's, to me, that is still the ideal. I mean, unless you physically can't protect a guy, like the Browns with Tim Couch or with Carter the Elder in Houston, or honestly, Justin Fields last year, it – it would have been suicide to let Justin Fields attempt 500 passes last year. It would have been insane. You're right. But if you can physically protect a guy for the most part, and that goal offensive line is not good, but I also don't think it's it's historically bad or anything like that. And, and Anthony Richardson, as we know, is better than possibly any prospect in history at protecting himself. Yeah. Um, you know, let him go out there. Let him fuck it up. Let him fuck it. It's going to get ugly at times. Let him fuck it up. That's the only way to figure out what he's doing. So, yeah. Um, I, I feel the same about all the rookie quarterbacks that I felt this entire preseason. Bryce Young, I'm not worried about him personally, but I'm not concerned that the Panthers' offense is going to be real good this year. Um, and CJ Stroud, he's going to go as far as clean pockets will take him, and that's who he was in college. We've seen a couple of preseason games now. We've seen a game where there was quick interior pressure, and we've seen a couple of games where they win it, and the results were night and day, just like they always were for him in college. So CJ Stroud will go as far as his offensive line will let him go. And Lexi Richardson is just gonna be one hell of a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have uh do we have anything else? I know next week we're we're definitely gonna be previewing the first yeah, game say, we got one, of the season. We got, yeah, we got one more before we go before that game actually happens. So we'll break down the Bears and Packers on both sides of the ball. I will probably have nausea. Travis will project false hubris. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, yeah. panic. There'll be some shitting. It'll it'll be good. It, it'll be fine. Yes. We're not horribly traumatized people or anything. Um, there are not lifelong demons that haunt me and fill my nights with dread. So... We, yeah, that we should be never, fun. especially not in recent history, had a soul-crushing defeat to start the year against the Green Bay Packers, right? No, starting the third year of our quarterback's career, that hasn't happened. So That's never when, happened. We've never seen that before. When the hopes of the entire franchise depended on them taking a leap. No, it's, it's, it's not that reflection. So, I'm fine. It's really fine. That's right, but but we can talk about that next week uh, if you'd like. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll get there. All right, folks. Well, have a great day and uh, enjoy the real start of real college football this weekend. Um, And we football season is upon us. The the end is nigh. The beginning is nigh, but also the end. The end of the off season. Possibly the end of all of my hopes and dreams for the two thousand. 23 bears because god knows if they they lose that game week one we're going to be it's going to be a dark fucking period in this house yeah so yeah it's uh um man rarely uh in my life as a bears fan has so much road on the very first game of a season um and again are we insane no we know that if they lose week one the season is not literally over but the vibes 
We're running off vibes here, and the vibes will be so fucked. They'll be so yeah. fucked. We need the good vibes, <laughs> folks. We need the good. We need them so bad. Now, really Skip, fun. you know, you know, I don't give up after one loss in a season, but <laughs> this yeah. one, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, good, good night, folks. Good afternoon, folks. I don't know. It's the middle of the day, I guess. All right. Bear down. Now you know I'm leaving 